When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber, Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. Ian Rod B, Austin's only local morning sports conversations coming at you live on 1019 AM 1260. Of course, streaming on our Horn app, which uh, digital numbers have been great. We appreciate you finding it, downloading it. So easy to do. A couple of one touch of a button and you're listening to us live wherever you are and maybe that could be sitting in traffic on a good bad and ugly monday the traffic is ugly uh this is a text on the specs text line says tell chopper dave 35 already backed up in g-town at 6 30 a.m so yes i like that chopper dave bad news right there bad chopper news dave not how you want to start your monday not how but you can anticipate it with school fully back in and now the first days of school at ut means all the faculty and Students all making their way uh, to campus, probably not at 7 a.m., but here at some point this morning. So that's going to add to the uh, volume. Uh, I used to work with a guy, Rod, named uh, did, did Traffic for us back in the day called Buck Naked. Buck, Buck Naked. Naked. I like Buck that. Naked. And he used to actually be up on an airplane. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you know, they'd done choppers, traffic choppers. Yeah, and they would put him up in one of those little planes, and he'd fly over and just be able to see where the hot spots were Dang. and kind of get a good eyes on it, binoculars. Buck naked. We'll Buck his... naked. Good dude. Good <laughs> What did he do is reports from the plane? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He How would. did he get the name? Buck naked. I don't know. He shows that, I guess. I know. <laughs> you know, you're either. Now I'm curious. I like that. Yeah. Well, he, he's not a guy you'd like to see buck naked. I exactly. Will tell you that. Nice guy. Even Great more guy. so. Like, Love that guy. How'd you get the nickname then? Love that guy. But uh, yes, yeah, so Chopper Dave. Our man Dave, uh, bringing you the traffic. Uh, Ty is here as well, and we got a lot going on. The good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. But, yeah, watching on, and listening on our Horn app, the easiest way to do it. Also on our Twitch channel, if you'd like to uh, watch the program, you can do that. And on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Growing by the Day. It is Austin's only local morning sports conversation. We appreciate you making us part of your morning, and whether you're sitting in traffic or sitting in your office or trying to get to your office, wherever you are. Thank you. For doing, hope you had a great weekend. We recap it on Mondays with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Rod will have his first rant of the day. I want to say that uh, some people say, "Well, you'll do your rant," and you'll say, "Well, that's not really a rant." Well, you're not always mad about things. It's not always, yeah. I'm not always ranting. It's rant. too early to, to rant like <laughs> right. that. I right? Mean, come on. Uh, so start off with people some positivity. Who weren't able to catch your show when you're in the afternoon. Now yeah. your mornings will explain. It's not always sometimes a rant. Sometimes it's going down a rabbit hole. Just research. You know, it's a lot of different ways you can do it. Yeah, but during the season, rant. it's more of a rant during the season, especially if Texas isn't, isn't playing well. Well, that's, coach, that's when we started calling the rants because Texas hasn't been playing well. So I'm always ranting in the middle of the day about some things. But hopefully, hopefully year, this year, not as many rants. Hopefully, maybe. just research, rabbit holes. You know what I mean? There you go. It's always good intel. But, yeah, look, when, when Coach Sark becomes Coach Steven, as you called him, then you got to mm. go on a rant. Then exactly. That's where the, the term came from. I was on a rant, and I called him Coach Steven. He called, called him Coach Sark. <laughs> He's no longer Sark until he gets some If it was like a one-week, I think it was after the TCU game when he gave Bijan the ball 12 times with zero targets and I said you know what it's going to be one week of Coach Steven after that game plan <laughs> you don't even get to be Sark for a week he was on probation I was upset about it I was upset I'll admit there you go love so. that 
right. Well, we have a lot to do. We'll get into it all. Rod's rant this hour. Also, uh, we'll have some bullish and BS brought to you by the Austin Gamblers for the end of the hour. A lot of great topics, as usual. The good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. What was good for you, what was bad, and what was just downright ugly, including... The ugly news out of Dallas Cowboys camp for a lifetime Longhorn. Let's get you caught up on the news of the morning. Start your 7 o'clock hour with the headlines. Give you a business services. Yeah, we'll bring you the news. We'll start with college football. 12 days to the Longhorn season opener with the Rice Owls. Actually, zero week for college football. There are a schedule of games this coming Saturday, including Notre Dame and Navy from Dublin, Ireland. But uh, we'll count you down to that as well. But on Saturday morning this past weekend, Texas had a depth chart defining second scrimmage of camp. We're going to have our insider thoughts and reports throughout the morning here on Ian Rod B. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian will have immediate availability after practice this morning to provide his thoughts. In the NFL over the weekend, Cowboys fell to 0-2 in the preseason. They lost in Seattle 22-14, as in a majority of their games. uh, uh, First game, the majority of the starters did not play in the game Saturday night for the Cowboys. They did, though, suffer a couple of key injuries, significant ones at that. Uh, Former Longhorn DeMarvion Overshone caught his foot in the turf on a seemingly routine tackle on the flat, suffered a torn ACL in his left knee. He will be out for the year. Team's third-round picks and have surgery. Reserve tight end John Stevens, who also had a strong camp, suffered a season-ending knee injury as well in that game. Dallas will wrap up their preseason hosting the Vegas Raiders this Saturday. Down in Houston, Texans are 1-1 one one in the preseason. They got steamrolled by Miami 28-3 in their preseason game Saturday afternoon. Houston rookie C.J. Stroud, the quarterback, much sharper in Week 2 than he was in his debut. Second overall pick went 7-12 of 12 for 60 yards. Also had a couple of drops the Texans to a field goal drive. Major League Baseball, don't look now, but the Seattle Mariners have made it a three-team race atop the American League West. M's completed a three-game sweep of the Astros in Houston yesterday, 7-6 to six the win. They've won six in a row and have now pulled to within a half game with the Astros for second place. They're three back of the Rangers, who were swept in a three-game series of their own by the Milwaukee Brewers. They fell yesterday 6-2. Uh, th- so the uh, Mariners right there as well for the wild card and the division with plenty of ball games to go. And how about the streaking Round Rock Express? They rolled to their 12th consecutive win yesterday in Sugarland with a 4-3 to win. They're in sole possession of first place atop the Eastern Division of the PCL. E-Train back at Dell Diamond tomorrow night, open a series with Salt Lake. In golf, how about the back nine for the ages for Victor Hovland at the BMW Championship yesterday outside Chicago. 25-year-old delivered the best round of his career to storm past world, uh, Scotty Scheffler and win the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoff. Had a solid 233 on the front nine, but then Hovland went crazy on the back. He birdied seven of the nine holes in the back nine, added two pars to come home at 21, and card a new course record 61. Uh, he goes past Scheffler and Matthew Fitzpatrick to win that event. Tour championship tees off outside Atlanta on Thursday. In soccer, Austin FC returned to the pitch last night in St. Louis following their month-long layoff. Got steamrolled by the top team in the Western Conference, 6-3. to three. St. Louis stretches its lead over second place, LAFC to seven points. Austin slips back to seventh place with 32 points. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Um, and also something we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, um, our deepest condolences, thoughts and prayers uh, with the little family. Bill Little passed away over the weekend. Natural causes at the age of 81. You're talking about the 
greatest historian in Texas Longhorn sports history. Um, anybody who's worked in our business <laughs> uh, used him not only as a resource, uh, but just a great just source of knowledge overall about Texas sports. So uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone who was close to Bill Little. I think everybody thought they were close to Bill Little because that's how you felt when you were around him. Um, but anytime I went down a rabbit hole doing research and I would get stumped, or you know, I Billy the the website there at Texas Sports it wouldn't have the stats going back you know prior to 1960 or something like that and I'd always think to myself or like man I need to talk to Bill Little about this if I want to get better context and perspective on it and Bill Little would always provide you with that so I know a lot of people are sad about uh, the loss of Bill Little as well they should be he will be missed um, but if the goal is to affect as many lives as possible in a positive way. Uh, Bill Little definitely did that. He did yeah. that in a lot of ways. Well, and the name is familiar, but then the voice is also very familiar of the great Bill Little. He was the public address announcer for the football games for more than a decade. And, you know, Craig Way would tell you he, he called many a, a baseball game, which is why the press box at both DKR and Dishfalk Field uh, are named the Bill Little press box, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he served as the... the uh, you know, from 1968 till his retirement in 2014, he was uh, heavily involved in, in the director and in charge of the media relations department. Can I play this for you? Because we'll, we'll maybe play a full one of these this morning. But also before football games, Bill Little used to do the long shining the spotlight on a Longhorn legend, right? Yep. And it would be a yep. two or three minute. Oh, it was awesome story about a Longhorn <laughs> legend because no one knew more about the history of Texas. And this is from one that he did about Darrell Royal. Uh, which we will play in its entirety coming up, but the end of it, because he's talking about Coach Royal here, but on this morning, uh, after he passed away of of uh, natural causes at 81, uh, applied, and in his own words, here is a uh, uh, little tribute to Bill Little. People have often asked me what I would like to be remembered as, and my answer is pretty simple. I tell them that on my tombstone. I don't want it to say that I never made a mistake. I'd like it to say he meant well. And so shall it be for our legend, our Longhorn legend tonight. I'm Bill Little. There you go, Bill Little. And now he himself, a yes. Longhorn legend. Yeah, it suits him too. <laughs> yeah, it does. What would I like Love to that. be remembered for? I don't know. He he cared a lot. Now, he cared a lot about UT. Maybe no one cared more about you know, I, I, I mentioned, like, if, if he would hear something, he would listen to our show in the mornings, and you know, not the full show, but when he would hear it, and if... I would say something that uh, wasn't quite right or, you know, you make errors on a show. You make mm-hmm. mistakes. Yeah. He, he would always call kindly and say, hey, just <laughs> wanted to let you know. Just yep. wanted to let you know. And then uh, <laughs> oh, and then you would say something that, and he said, man, I wish you really appreciate you pointing that out. That was nice of you to say. Yeah. He just, he was, a, he was a very nice gentleman. He was gentleman. a gracious, yeah, exactly. Uh, the way you put it, he was a gentleman. And like I said, I, I remember all the conversations I had with Bill Little, and I always learned something new about Texas sports and history. And he always dropped these little nuggets on me because he knew that you know I was a guy that loved research, and and also he was he had a a gift for you know kind of elocution, uh, really oh, did. So well, he's he, a great writer. I mean, he would throw out some really cool new words. That's why when I gave a tribute to him on Twitter, I threw out the word you know perspicacious. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow, Rod. That's no, that was – if for those who know Bill Little, they know that it, that's a that's a term that I heard him use actually once. But I think it was perspicacity he used. And I asked him about it. He's like, oh, yeah. And we actually had a little, you know, back and forth about it. Perspicacity. Yeah, and perspicaciousness is one of the terms I learned from Bill Little. And I was like, that is a really cool word. I'm putting that in my vocabulary. And so uh, well, he'll be missed. But uh, they, it's a celebration of life for Bill Little, man, because he, he really did uh, – uh, I really – he really did put his – 
his his fingerprints on the uh, Texas Longhorn uh, sports culture. And I think everybody who participated in that culture and contributed to it, uh, they know what he meant to the Longhorn brand and how he championed the brand. Whenever you got a chance. Authored or co-authored nine books, exactly. uh, dozens of awards-winning magazines and web commentaries. And, of course, those Longhorn Legend commentaries were always tremendous. Uh, took over as a sports information director at t- Texas in 1982 and held it until his retirement in 2014. And he, as I mentioned in the first headlines, he was in, he graduated from UT in 1964 and then he came back to be. And while he was there, he was the sports editor of the Daily Texan. <laughs> <laughs> and then left and then came back and got into sports information and the uh, rest is history. Mm. Um, of course, worked with the 69 and 70 and 05 national championship mm-hmm. teams. And, yeah, that, uh, that's a sad one for sure. Uh, the Longhorn legend, Bill Little, well said. Uh, also from those headlines, which we'll get into throughout the morning, the Mariners are on the, on the prowl in the AL West. That's interesting. Cowboys, unfortunate for DeMarvion Overshone, to say the least. We'll get back into the NFL of the weekend. Uh, there was some good for the Longhorns. The, on, on, they were playing on Sundays now. Uh, we'll play some of those highlights coming up. Sam Ellinger had a touchdown run. Joseph Osai had an interception. Bijan Robinson had his first carry as a uh, Atlanta Falcon, and it was Bijan-esque. It was, to say yeah. the least. Roshan had some nice runs and nice plays. And it uh, looks like really positive news on Moro Ojimo. We told you on Friday morning that Moro left the game with the Eagles on a cart and a stretcher because of a neck injury. Reports today that he's doing very well and he's going to be okay. And more Ojemo's having a really good camp with no, the. No, that is the good. And it's like, how many <laughs> defensive linemen do the Eagles need for crying out loud? They can never have enough. They're like Rangers <laughs> and pitching. They're like, you can never have too many, too many pitchers, too many good arms. You can never have too many good D linemen. And honestly, outside with them, Shannon believes that 49ers, they stockpile D linemen too. Yes. I'm all about that, man. Can we uh, dive into Rod's rant? First one of a Monday, first one of the week. Let's do it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. No, I'm not mad as hell, all right, but it is a rant of sorts. More research than anything else, but something that I am concerned about when it comes to uh, Texas football this year. So, first of all, I was watching some preseason highlights uh, and looking at Bijan and Rojo um, and saw that basically Bijan ended up with, I think, around five yards per touch uh, in his first preseason game, and Rojo was around 5.3. So both of them was over five yards per touch <laughs> in that uh, in their last preseason performance and Bijan's first preseason performance. I believe Rojo, he, was in a, he actually played in the first preseason game for the Bears as well. He had that 24-yard run. I think he ended up in that game with less than four yards per carry, but he had that 24-yard run where he broke like three different tackles. Anyway, watching those guys, sort of thinking about how instrumental they were in Texas' offensive success last season because Sark essentially had the answers to the test. And the answers to the test were always, hey, give it to Bijan, give it to Rojo. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. That was my uh, motto for 2022. And I, honestly, I think Sark adopted that motto toward the end of the year when it came to you know games like Iowa State and games like Baylor. And Texas ended up being able to pull out those victories just leaning on the run game. 
And obviously, you're not going to have that, and you didn't have it in the bowl game. And we saw what happened to the run game uh, in, in the bowl game versus Washington. Right, it just wasn't as dominant, and it wasn't as formidable as it was with Bijan and Rojo. Now, I think a lot of that was the lack of innovation and creativity from Sark. Uh, also, you know, Jonathan Brooks was hurt, and offensive line was still younger. Offensive line will get better, but it did make me think about the uh, some of the stats about Bijan and Rojo from 2022 in the running game that the, the Texas was second in the country in yards after contact as a team behind LSU last season. Um, after contact, meaning a lot of that is R- Rojo and Bijan just making something out of nothing. Uh, Texas also led the country in broken tackle rate in 2022 at close to 28% of the runs. They end up breaking a tackle. Bijan actually averaged 5.8 yards per rush versus stacked boxes, which are usually eight-man boxes or boxes where you have more defenders than, uh, than blockers. And 3.3 yards per rush versus on stuffed rate, which is stuffed rate is hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. So when he hit behind the line of scrimmage, he still was able to get you three over three yards per rush. I mean, these are astounding numbers. Uh, and even Pro Football Focus says if you look at over the last four years, running backs with the highest missed tackle rate per attempt, forced missed tackle rate per attempt, Bijan and Rojo are both top five in the last four years. And Rojo actually broken tackle rate is higher than Bijan who set the pro football focus record for most forced missed tackles or broken tackles in a college football season. You get my point. I'll give you all the numbers to show you that those guys were extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily elite when it came to breaking tackles and taking negative plays and turning them into positive plays. And this year you're not going to have those guys. And hopefully I believe that the, the optimism should come from the offensive line. One of the reports coming out of the scrimmage is that DJ Campbell, has been great and that he has actually been better in the run game as a road grader in the run game than any of the kind of the other young offensive linemen that are getting a shot. Um, And I think that's why they prefer him in the competition over a guy like Cole Hudson. So what basically what I'm getting at is the offensive line is going to be big this year. If they, if they lean early on the running game and they trust the running game, it'll be because they trust the offensive line to be able to, you know, be able to reset the line of scrimmage and open up holes for those young running backs because those run, young running backs are unproven commodities. But your offensive line is a proven commodity. You just need to take the next step. And not only in run blocking, but also pass blocking. So I went and looked at the 19 sacks Texas gave up in 2022, 19 of them, which is this is not a that's not a lot. It's not a huge number. It's not a huge number. Here's the compelling thing, though, because I tried to look for trends, patterns. Like, well, is there something that is disproportionately more effective versus Texas offensive line than one concept or another? And I didn't really find anything until the Baylor game, the last game of the season. Dave Aranda. Dave yeah, that Aranda. That was the game where when Ewers' head was spinning and every time he dropped back. Exactly. Dave Aranda figured out. So nobody else really – I think Dave Aranda just kind of looked at all the sample size and what he had that – what Texas had been – had uh, was presented with and what they had to try to adjust to during the season. And I just think he came up with a masterful pressure package or at least a uh, some concepts in within the pressure package that worked well against the Texas O-line. And so they, they allowed, by the way, they allowed five sacks in that game, which was the most sacks they allowed in any game. So well, five of the 19. And that's, yes, that's, it's yeah. one game. So already, you know, okay, well, <laughs> they had a lot of success. What did they do? 
Well, what they did essentially was present what they call an amoeba front. Uh, they used to call them ghost fronts. You guys have seen this where they line up seven, eight guys all across the line of scrimmage. All right. Some guys in a two point stance, some guys in a three point stance. And essentially this helps them uh, use what they call simulated pressure, which is four guys rushing. But you never know where the four guys are coming from because you have that ghost front. They call it ghost front because the, you know, the quarterback can see ghosts. And what he did was he would drop. He got seven guys across the front all lined up on the line of scrimmage. You're going to drop three. I'm going to rush four. But you have no idea which four. which four. <laughs> and the offensive line at times, it would confuse the blocking schemes because they would set the protection or slide the protection and it would just be wrong. Uh, you know what I mean? And they would a free rusher would end up coming, or they would uh, end up confused, and two old linemen would be devoted to one. So what Dave Aranda showed, and I looked at the five sacks. In the five sacks, you had either that those amoeba fronts I just discussed, those ghost fronts, and or a simulated pressure on five on four of those five sacks. So that he was using the concept a lot, and I think if teams are picking up defensively where Dave Aranda left off, that's where they're going. Now, Washington didn't, didn't use it, curiously. Washington, I, I think, figured they didn't need it. Because <laughs> Washington actually is one of the top 10 best teams in the country at creating pressure, and they had their own type of pressure. So they actually were able to create organic pressure. Hell, at one time, Texas had an, had a, an eight-man protection against a four-man rush and allowed a sack. Against Washington, so <laughs> I remember that. I think I mean you just watched the film this weekend because that's yeah. how Rod spends his weekends watching yeah. film on old James. But um, Hayden Connor, the left guard, really struggled in that yeah. game. Uh, I remember him just looking. All right, where are they coming from? He was seeing ghosts in yes. pass protection. Yeah. So Washington, yeah, they got our, they had, actually Texas had the two sacks they gave up versus Washington. They had six and. Seven. Oh, I was talking about Connor in the Baylor game. He oh, really the Baylor, no, you're right in the Baylor game. Yes, so of course, that, and I think that was the whole purpose of it. Right? right, you wanted to 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 confuse those uh, those offensive linemen and whatever pass protection they set, it wouldn't always be wrong. Um, but there's a good chance that one of the four rushers that were coming, their simulated pressure, would be a free rusher. Which which who's responsible for the free rusher? Quarterback. The quarterback's responsible for the free rusher. So you're putting a little bit more responsibility and burden on the young quarterback too. And what? So what? And think about this, guys. What did Quinn Ewers talk about? Is more satisfying. And throwing a touchdown pass this year. What did he say? Get your check right. Getting the pass protection right. right. <laughs> he said getting the right pass protection. Oh, it's just as satisfying as throwing a touchdown pass. Yeah, because he experienced that Baylor game last year, and he's like, damn, touchdown pass don't mean a damn thing if I don't get the pass protection right up front. So that is a young, maturing quarterback. He's growing. He's evolving. He knows, all right, you know what, first things first. Guys, we get the pass protection right. Before I start thinking about Xavier Worthy and that one-on-one he's got with that really nice route combination of the post corner, get the pass protection right. And I think the Baylor game is a direct reflection of why they want to emphasize that now actually the Baylor game isn't as troubling to me as the Washington game considering you had seven eight-man protections and you were still giving up sacks versus four-man rushes that is a that is a o- big O-line issue did not have a good game against Washington they, they did, did not run blocking they or like pass they blocking enjoyed the holidays yes and that's <laughs> so my point is we need the offensive line to take a leap this year pass no blocking question. and run blocking and I can tell you right now they're going to see if Nick Saban and was it Kevin Steele's new DC you're going to see them amoeba and them ghost fronts and you're going to see lots of simulated pressures I can guarantee Guarantee it. As a matter of fact, now that is on my list of ways to defend Texas offense. You got to throw that simulated pressures and ghost fronts out there a ton, and I think you're going to see it more. Confuse Quinn yours and make him. Well, the idea of that to me, Rod, and we got to we'll get to the timeout and pick this up. 
Uh, also get into some of the Longhorns uh, trying to make NFL teams. Bijan Robinson's first action in Atlanta. Roshan Johnson. Colt McCoy got the start for the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Shane Bouchel continues to shine in Kansas City. He looks good. Don't with he? all that coming up, yeah. he looks really good. Uh, it might be the backup to Patrick Mahomes uh, if he continues to play like he is. That's but wild. I wanted to mention, so for, for our audience, if you're if you're – you're you're breaking it down behind the curtain of how this works with the defense. If they're all standing up and some of them are standing, shouldn't yeah. you have an advantage in power run if you're just going to run the ball? Or do they do that in passing situations only? They they, they did mostly. You no, know, it was some run situation. That was. I some, don't think uh, you should have the advantage running the ball if you got dudes yeah, that are that just were, standing up. Yeah, you're right. There were leverage games. Two first. Down, you're right. There are yeah. There were there were multiple first downs where they also were but able that, to get but a that also but Stark is, is passing on first down. Though. That is also Quinn Ewers getting a check right. Right now, look, he can look to the sidelines and look at the big board and. But you can check to a run in that spot, and if the you offensive could. line is more of a power running line this year, uh-huh. that should be an opportunity to attack an amoeba defense with your own run game. That's a great point to start trust. Last year, you might not have trusted this young quarterback to make that audible to check. Yeah. This year, you have to, especially if you want to show NFL coaches that this guy is ready for the next level. And what do you always say? If Quinn's not declaring for the draft next NFL draft, then something might, might be transferring. Yes, yeah, something might have gone wrong. Something where Everything didn't go as planned. And I, I, so I, I'm with you on that. That's a great point. He, I don't think he did that last season. I, I don't, I don't believe I've, I observed a lot of that last season. Of checking out of a play, of checking or trusting out of a play. him to check out yeah. of the play. That's got to be the next step, because something tells me he'll trust that guy Manning to check out of a play when it's time. Right? I mean, and understand mm. the the concept and get it called right because you got to call that the line of scrimmage, and the yeah. linemen have to hear. Okay, um, you know, that's when they're calling out. You know, yeah, exactly. You're Peyton Manning. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, who's the know, bike? This guy, the bike, this? Yeah. yeah, strong side. Man, you're, you're, you're helping your <laughs> offensive line not look like you know, look like they don't know what they're doing. That's the that's the quarterback's job. Uh, we heard if you're watching Hard Knocks, you've heard Aaron Rodgers talking to Zach Wilson, the backup quarterback there, about hey. You know, mm-hmm. no look passes are nice, but get the check right. Set the protection right. Set the right. protection, <laughs> and you'll be in a much better place. Yep. Uh, your offensive line will appreciate it. You'll appreciate it because you won't get ear holed. And I think that's what—that's <laughs> why he's like, oh, it's just as satisfying as throwing a touchdown pass because, yeah, he has some trauma yeah. from that Baylor game and the way they, you know, the way they approach their pressure packages. I think Texas will be able to solve it and remedy it. It's not anything that football teams aren't doing at every level of football, but they definitely struggled with that concept. There's Rod's rant. It's brought to you by our great friends at Texas Orthopedics, uh, the best. I mean, they are, yes, they're the largest in Central Texas for orthopedic services, but, man, they're locally owned, uh, proud to be locally owned and Texas-owned, helping patients in their orthopedic care since 1986. Seven area locations of Texas Orthopedics. Find them online at Texas Ortho. TX, I should say. TX Ortho. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. As usual, jam-packed on a Monday on Austin's only local morning sports conversation live on 1019 AM 1260. And of course, digital numbers have been great. We appreciate you finding us on the Horn app and streaming at hornfm.com. It's on our YouTube channel. You can watch it on Twitch as well. And uh, Rod just gave you the rant, the deep dive on the uh, Texas offensive line and its uh, need for improvement. Somebody said, guys, what about uh, Neto taking over Hayden Connor at left guard? What I like about the Longhorn offensive line is you have five guys who are back who started last year. Mm -hmm. Five starters. Yep. And then you have young guys who are pushing them. And you mentioned DJ Campbell, right guard. Uh, Neto, uh, his last name is 
Umi Ozulu. Umi Ozulu. I, I, I might have got it wrong too, but we're gonna get it right. We're gonna get it right. <laughs> we're gonna be talking again, a lot about it. <laughs> when you played in a, in a loaded defensive backfield at Texas Rod when you played, and, and you played in the NFL, you know competition. Oh, it's everything. You either rise to it, it or you're gonna get passed up. That's just what's what it's about. That's there, what every coach wants. There are probably, and I'm, it may be less than this. You give me your thoughts. There may be six programs in the country, maybe six to ten. Well, the practices are harder than the games. Yeah, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. You, you, you just yeah. went through them right sure. there. Exactly, right? There, what are you thinking, five, six maybe? Well, they're the best programs in the country. Yes. I mean, you, everybody knows their names. And, they, uh, and Texas is trying to become one of those programs. And when I when we won 11 games two years in a row, we didn't win a Big 12 title. We played for one. We should have. Uh, we were we were getting – we were – we were right there. If not, they probably the next class, obviously, 0204, that kind of group, 0304. They they were there. There was no doubt. 2004, 2005, Texas, their practices were way harder than that, than most of their games until you got to the BCS or you know versus Oklahoma or the Big 12 title game. And for Texas, that is the hope that you are getting there now. You have that time of competition in practice. And on the offensive line, you certainly have that level of competition. So a lot of different positions well, and, maybe experiencing that. And to the point where you can say, well, this, you guys are just the, the burn orange Kool-Aid. But even Kyle Flood, who's been 30 years an offensive line coach at the college level, the NFL mm-hmm. level, has said, I've never had all five starters back ever, wherever I've been, all five starters back from season to season, and three guys or four guys who can play and mm-hmm. then have played, pushing them. That is a luxury, and you've mentioned a lot. The Pancake Factory and the Texas One Fund certainly helped that cause. Same time, it's a deep offensive line where competition should push. And, yes, if Neto's the the better option than Hayden Connor, he's going to earn that opportunity. That's why that scrimmage on Saturday was really important, and now all the film work from that. D.J. Campbell, uh, the road grader, the five-star offensive lineman out of Arlington Martin, Jake Majors at center, and you know at left tackle it's Kelvin Banks, at right tackle it's Christian Jones. I mean, that's, that is the makings of a really good it is. offensive line. Exactly. Well, think about it. Look, the standard is Georgia right now, right? Georgia is they're the twice, twice the national <laughs> yeah, chance the yeah. heavy favorites to do it again this year. Yep. And, but you don't know a lot of their star players. What do you know? You know their lines of scrimmage are going to dominate. And you, okay, well, okay, yeah, the tight end. We hear, well, who's the best player at Georgia? Oh, the tight end's really good. Okay. Who's the quarterback? Well, they just announced Carson Beck. They just announced it, yeah. Uh, who's their best receiver? I don't know. Uh, McConkey? Uh, who's their, you know, they, they just, you know, they're going to be ferocious up front, and that's going to be the, the start of everything. If Texas can get close to that point, mm-hmm. um, look, how did Michigan overtake Ohio State, where Ohio State has all the weapons? That are playing NFL football now, and they, you know, Marvin Harrison this mm-hmm. year. Lines of scrimmage. Well, because Jim Harbaugh yeah. built punishing lines of scrimmage yeah. and play bully meet, ball. They meet at the end of November now, and Jim Harbaugh's team just punches them in the face, and they've turned the tide of the rivalry. And now they're saying 16 to 20 NFL prospects on that team. That is just nuts. And, That's you know, crazy. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh says 20. I know. And, the, and in Columbus, the natives are restless because they've seen this happen. And all of a sudden, hold on, hold on. When we had Urban Meyer, we were the bullies. <laughs> yeah. Now this guy, Ryan Day, seems yep. like he lights up the scoreboard, but he's getting out he's bullied. He's getting beat. Exactly. Yep. That's what you can't have, especially in your own uh, conference when but you're supposed to be the big dog. Then if they would have handled their end-of-game mm. situation better, they might have beat Georgia and prevented a national championship last year. They had not beat. Hey, now. They had not beat. Yeah. They had a good a look at beating Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. And then, of course, they smashed TCU <laughs> uh, in the championship game. By the way, speaking of our uh, Ian Rodby Horn Top 20 countdown. That's right. Coming Still up, we've top got team, uh, baby. back-to-back Pac-12 teams. We had Washington at number 11 on Friday. Today we have Utah at number 10. So we're going to talk in our 
Horn Top 20 segment at 9.30 with Pete Futak of College Football News. He'll give us a good preview of both of those squads. Uh, You know, the Pac-12 in its final year as we know it has uh, three teams with USC still to come and three teams in the top Mm -hmm. 11 in the country. So, so we'll see. Hey, Rod, from the NFL from the weekend, and we'll get uh, some some bullish or BS before the top of the hour on some of the other topics, including uh, Lionel Messi and uh, the Seattle Mariners making it a three-team race in the AL West. Also, the uh, the amazing Victor Hovland yesterday on the golf course. What a performance he had outside mm-hmm. Chicago. But how about some of the performances? You know, you know what the number is for number of Texas players on NFL rosters right now, former Longhorns who are trying to make NFL rosters. Oh, that's good. I do not know that. T.Y., do you have a guess? Number of players in camp right now? 24. 41. I was going to say it's definitely higher than 41 24. former yeah. Longhorns. Good. Uh, and some of the best performances of the weekend. Uh, well, the worst on a good, bad, and ugly Monday is DeMarvion Overshone is out for the year. Yeah, torn ACL. Such a shame. Brutal. Routine play. Foot got caught in the, in, in the turf as he turned, and you kind of could tell from you know, he went off in a cart. Or once he got to the sidelines, he walked off under his own power, but then they put him in the cart, took him to the locker room. It's a great opportunity to sit back and learn and watch and see what a year in the NFL is Better like, to play. Uh, I know, watch. I know, but just take a, take yeah. a positive out of it. No, you're right. A lot of mental got reps. To. That's a glass half full. Also, like the, the Moro Ojimo injury that we saw, he left on a cart, immobilized on Thursday night. He's doing much better, by all accounts, from the Philadelphia Eagles. It's now been the, it's no longer been calling the neck injury. They're calling it a concussion for Moro Ojimo, head injury. Yeah, very still serious. Scary. Yeah, still scary, but at least now, you know, it seems like he's going to just be put in concussion protocol and, and looks and like he'll be okay. Yes. And monitored. Yeah. Uh, he got hit in the side of the head. Yeah, the NFL, this preseason week, bad for the league. You had guys getting carted off, different reasons. Just, New England canceled their game with the Packers. Yeah, that's, that's the image the NFL does not want to really project about football. They're trying to stay away from that, considering last year you had the DeMar Hamlin thing. Yeah. You had Tua going down. Oh, Tua has learned how to fall. I saw him. Did you see him? In the Houston game. He's done it. He's better at falling. He's, he, tucked his, he tucked his chin. Yes. So he learned from jiu-jitsu or whatever. Yeah, he tucked his chin. Fall he learned. Class. There you go, man. Uh-huh. It and works. Tua looked good, by the way. He threw a terrible interception on the Early first play on, against yeah, the Texans. Yeah, and, then the, and the Texans didn't even score. <laughs> um, they didn't score Don't from remind the seven-yard line. <laughs> uh, but we'll get we'll get to the Texans coming up because uh, C.J. Stroud, I thought, looked much, much better. He looked. He, I think you saw some glimpses of why C.J. Stroud was the second pick in the draft on Saturday against the Dolphins. Um, so as far as the 41 Longhorns, Colt McCoy got the starting nod for the Cardinals against Kansas City. He's very likely to be the starting quarterback for them when the season begins because oh, Kyler yeah. Murray's not ready. And he's not going to be ready for a while. So Colt McCoy, it's a tough spot for him because it reminds you of when Colt was in like Cleveland. They're, they're just not very good. Mm-hmm. And they're rebuilding. They're trying to play for draft picks, and Colt's going to be – he's going to get the start. Yeah, but it, it's – But DeAndre Hopkins yeah. is gone. Yeah. Uh, they, it's going to be a stre- it's gonna be stressful start. And it's in a very good Colt. division with the 49ers. The Seahawks, Seahawks are good. Rams, yeah. Aaron Donald. I feel for Colt, but he went five for eight. He's a nah, Colt's tough. He's, nah, tough. he's tough. He's tough. Well, you've seen him on bad teams before. It's just you're trying. He's but played for the gonna... Browns. He's good. It was, like, it was like watching Sam Ellinger last year. He started for the Browns. Well, the, I think the, I think the Cardinals this year could resemble the Browns. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're right because I bad the, ownership. All the projections are they gonna have the number one and number right top two they, picks because they have the Texans pick for next year too. Uh, the Lions came out for like gambling for every single game this year, and they're yeah. not favored in one single game. <laughs> in not one game. Nope. Oh. Just oh, to start the year, that, you know that changes. Obviously. Is that the case but, for any other team in the league, though? Did they? No, they're yeah. the only team. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, it, speaking of that's a nice factoid right there? <laughs> Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger led the Colts on two touchdown drives. They've already named Anthony Richardson their starter, but he's in competition with uh, Gardner Minshew. 
he'll be on this roster. Can we hear a touchdown run from Sam Ellinger? He, he led them on two t- touchdown drives in a four-minute span, mm-hmm. including this uh, typical Bam Bam Sam run. Last year, a guy that was a four-year really special teamer for the Colts. Ellinger. He, he is. There's a path. There's a touchdown. Mr. August, here he is again. Fourth quarter comeback, Sam Ellinger. I'll tell you what, but, you know, getting back to that interview, I mean. There you go. Mr. August. Mr. Oh, he already got a nickname? Basically, in the preseason, he just regs shop in the That's preseason. That's the only time he gets to play. He well, regs shop. He did got a couple stars I feel bad for, for Sam, too, because remember last year. Is he it was Saturday? Jeff that, Saturday? Yeah, he was in the middle of that tornado where the owner took over. And then Jeff Saturday as the Jeff Saturday as the coach, oh, fired. Yeah. And yeah. then, then all of a sudden fired the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and put Sam in at quarterback to face like Bill Belichick. Apparently he liked Sam. I would like, say he's a big Sam guy. Yeah, he loves yeah. He's a big Sam well, fan, can't. but he didn't do him any favors. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, yeah, fire my head coach, Frank Reich. Fire my offensive coordinator and then put me up against Belichick with Jeff Saturday. Coaching. Sounds about right. But I will say now – um, now that they have, because Anthony Richardson, he's going to be the starter there. And was it is it Shane Steichen, the yep. head coach mm-hmm. now? They they can have like running running game plans for their quarterbacks now, and it can be you can have more kind of synchronicity because Sam can also do similar things. He's not Anthony Richardson by any stretch, uh, but you can still use the quarterback running game, you can which use is what they want to do. Playbook, yeah. And he came from the Philadelphia Eagles, where they love the quarterback running. Jalen Hurts, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bijan Robinson, eighth overall pick in the twenty twenty three draft, had four carries for twenty yards and a six yard reception. His first carry was Bijan like Rod. He made a safety. It was nice. It was I so saw ridiculous. It. He had no business getting like what did he get up getting like 10, 11 yards in the 12, first game? Yeah, carry? eleven yards, yards after yeah. what should have been contact. But it should have been like a four yard game yeah. <laughs> for any other normal human. He was like parallel with the ground. Yeah, yeah exactly. like, was, when he does that's like, crazy. What? No Longhorn fan was shy. We like told y'all. Told y'all. Told y'all. <laughs> you won't be able to do that in the NFL. Well, shoot. Well, now these are these are guys trying to make teams. I get it. Yeah. Still. Um, also, one more highlight. Can we hear Joseph Osai with the Cincinnati Bengals? Osai. Osai. Remember his season ended with that late hit penalty? Oh, that oh, was brutal. Late hit out of bounds. Oh, Joe, that. you hate that. That was brutal. And it looked like he got hurt on that play, but he's, he's balling out. Let's hear Joseph Osai had himself an interception. In motion. Ritter. To Miller. That one's deflected up in the air. There it is, Joe Osa. Uh, he play, I mean, I, I love that uh, the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati too, Lou he's really good. He was, he's, he, was, he was up for the finals for the Cardinals job. And yeah, he must be a bad interview or something. I got on now. I think he's just an older guy. He's an old guy. He just doesn't really care that I much. I think it's going to be like a Vic Fangio. But he's very good. Uh, that's, he's what I, that's what I felt. That's a good point. Yeah, because maybe he doesn't, wanna, doesn't care that much about being a head coach. Maybe, maybe he does, but well, as he, an organization, do you want to hire? Uh, well, he finally got noticed because, right, the Bengals were in the guy. Super Bowl the, the previous year. They beat Patrick Mahomes. His game plans versus Mahomes is what got people right, looking at exactly. him. <laughs> well, remember when, when Josh Allen and the Bills, they, they, the Bills couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. Then the, on their way to the Super Bowl, the Bengals had to beat Patrick Mahomes in mm-hmm. Kansas City, and they did the best job of anybody on him. Yep, nobody's done really that Tampa Bay game plan in the Super Bowl, and then Lou Anarumo's game plans with Cincinnati have pretty much been the most effective to neutralize or somewhat neutralize Patrick Mahomes, but man, you can all, it's only so much you can do. <laughs> hey, uh, there you go. There's some of the NFL. 41 Longhorns looking to make their way. Sam Ellinger. Uh, I, I didn't mention Shane Bouchelle. Shane Bouchelle in, in, in behind Patrick Mahomes. Bouchelle. Went 10 for 10. 
with 105 yards of passing and a touchdown run of 14 yards for the Chiefs. I know he didn't finish at Texas, but he's a lifetime Longhorn and uh, playing well. As More of those Longhorn quarterbacks just in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it's it. It's good, man. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll uh, get some bullish or BS topics that uh, we're bullish on and maybe not so bullish on. Plus, in our next hour, we go behind the burn orange curtain again and find out more about this Longhorn scrimmage from Saturday, uh, the depth chart defining scrimmage. What can we glean as we await the, the thoughts of Steve Sarkeesian this morning? That's coming next. First, bullish and BS. Bullish or BS. Brought to you by the Austin Gamblers. Yeah, your first place, Austin Gamblers. Another great weekend they had in Nashville. Kind of like Lionel Messi was in Nashville, electrifying a sold-out crowd on Saturday night. Austin Gamblers were at the Bridgestone Arena downtown Nashville and won two of their three games. Uh, they continue to roll one yesterday, uh, so they're coming home. It's uh, Gambler Days are this weekend, Rod. Thursday, oh, yeah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Professional bull riding at its highest level. The best riders, the best bulls. Get your tickets at austingamblers.com. They bring you bullish and BS. And uh, T.Y., do you have any, what, what's a topic that's on top of your head that we have not talked much about that uh, you might be bullish or BS on? Uh, you mentioned it at the top of the 6 o'clock hour during the headlines, but the Seattle Mariners are now three games back at the Rangers, only a half game back at the Astros. Um, <sighs> are they, are you bullish or BS on them being serious AL West? Division, you know, winning that division. I wish it was BS. I think it's bullish because I know. <laughs> I wish well, here's it was the thing: BS. The Astros, I'm an Astros fan. Rod, oh. the Astros are done with them, but they went two and eight against the, the Mariners. If the Astros don't win the division or make the playoffs, they can thank the Seattle Mariners and Scott Services team because the Astros won two of their ten matchups, and I believe the Astros are done with Seattle this year. The Rangers still have seven games. And then those are coming on the last 10 days of the regular season. They'll play a three-game and then a four-game series. Uh, that that four-game series they play with Seattle is the last series of the year in the regular season. So you need to be, as Astros fan, rooting for those <laughs> well, for the I Mariners. Mean, well, yeah, Astros got to take care of their own business. Well, they got to take care of their business, but you're going to need some help now, too. Well, you're going to need a little help. Well, Astros, you're Astros, first you're gonna need and some foremost help. thing is they got to get Framber Valdez right. He's been terrible since the All-Star break, except for the no-hitter. He threw a no-hitter, but every other outing he's had has been bad. Uh, Seattle, though, they're not, they're not hot. They're good. They can hmm. they can pitch they can hit the if you look at their lineup you've kind of wondered well why were they lagging behind all year they looked like they were underachieving and uh, you know Julio Rodriguez was the uh, the rookie of the year last year this guy's unbelievable how about this Rod over the course of their Thursday game and then opening the series in Houston he had 17 hits and 21 at bats what he went 17 for 21 and everything the Astros threw him he was hitting. Like, he was hitting inside, outside. I mean, it didn't matter where they threw it. He was just in a 17 of 21? Those are hits. I'm not, that's not just on yes. base. No, 17 <laughs> of 21. What? He hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen uh, at Minute Maid Park on Friday night. That's wild. I mean, it's still going. It was one of those Albert Pujols-like shots off the glass. It was like they break the window up there at the top of the train. <laughs> but, yes, I think, I think they're for real. They can pitch. Uh, they can play. I mean, they're right there. The best teams in the American League right now are Texas, Houston, Seattle, and then Baltimore. Mm. Rays are in there. You know, the Twins are going to win the AL Central. But, yeah, it's going to be a great race because the Astros have that series in early September with the Rangers head-to-head, three games, and then the Rangers still have seven with the Mariners. So I would say bullish. Bullish, unfortunately. Well, and the Rangers <laughs> got swept, right? The Rangers played a first-place team in Milwaukee and got swept three straight games at home. So, you know, that could have been a series for them to really you know, make you know, put ground between them and the Astros. No, it's now a three-team race because of how Seattle handled their business. So, as, as Ty said, the Mariners, Houston's two and a half back of the Rangers still, but now just three up on the Mariners. No matter what happens to the Rangers and Astros, they can't seem to either – the Astros can't close the gap and the Rangers can't seem to separate. It's so weird because that was the perfect opportunity for the Astros to gain some ground. 
Because the Rangers got swept. Or the Rangers to stretch. Or the Rangers to stretch it. But and neither one of the them. story they, is this third team that has shown up. And exactly. Now we got a problem. Now got, it's a threesome. Now, <laughs> and not the good kind. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> On the Julio Rodriguez, this texter said he's only the second person ever to have a four, have four four-hit games in a row. Yeah, no, he was unbelievable in a tree. Well, and Suarez is a really good hitter at third base. Ty France is a professional hitter in the middle of their order. Um, you know, they can hit, they can run, they can pitch. That's, I think their pitching is probably their best strength. What do you have this bullish or BS, Rod? What are you bullish on? Are you bullish or BS on I love this that the, uh, the Chargers and the Saints essentially played in what they are calling a hurricane? Because <laughs> out in Southern California, remember Hurricane Hillary was predicted uh, to hit, but then it was downgraded to a tropical storm. But there was also an earthquake that was detected. And while the actual game happened, they that was a hurricane, as they called it. Yeah, 5.5 measured earthquake. And <laughs> they still then played the game, no big deal. Still played play the game. I'm, yeah. I'm bullish on that. They're having a hard and, – and, and a lot of rain still. I saw where <laughs> Vegas is flooding because that storm came right up uh, you know, through Mexico. And um, Vegas, Vegas getting a ton of rain. Downtown L.A. getting a ton of rain. As long as there's not a Sharknado. Nothing has a Sharknado. Play, play the game. There you go. That's right. Good or like it. they had, unfortunately, in Maui was the tornado of fire. Yes, oh, the fire NATO. Yeah. The fire NATO. Yeah, that's weird. Also bullish in BS after watching this weekend, Rod. I'm I'm not bullish on Scotty Scheffler winning the FedEx Cup. I mean, he's still he he missed he had a three putt on 17. I know uh, Victor Hoblin shot 61 and 28 on the back. That's hard to overcome, but still, Scheffler was right there, and his putting continues to kill him. A three putt on 17. He missed a makeable mm. putt on 18 to make par, not birdie. And golly, uh, Scotty Scheffler is just such a great tee to green player. But he's just been a bridesmaid this year, but never the bride. <laughs> well, he's the best player in golf from tee to green. He's terrible on the greens right now, and it's killing him. Uh, he at least will be in the Tour Championship. Hmm. Bullish and BS brought to you by the Austin Gamblers. We're coming back.